0: It's gonna
1: be a happy marriage, and you got a nice like shot of Bruce looking very good with no like just in his underwear, and then Selena next page underwear. I love two wonderful superheroes, and even less than their superhero garb.
0: How far do you think Bruce Wayne can get from a bat cowl before he can't perform in
1: bed? Okay, that's a good point. I bet that Bruce Wayne is the closest living thing to a Tobias Fünke never knew that there is. (laughs) (laughs) Like he. He has to be right. has <laughs> got. He's got to have like a like a bat thong on all the time. I don't think that there's a time that he can. I bet he takes a shower in very tight shorts. <laughs> I, I
0: think you're right. <laughs>
1: I'm a good boy who records a podcast every week, uh, a, a very particular podcast. It's a perfectly acceptable podcast. I would say that's exactly what it is. Filled with good boys and good girls who love to talk about comics. Um, I do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on this podcast, every Tuesday, we go pick up a bunch of the books, and we bring them back here. We sort them, count them, pull them for all of our subscribers. Um, we take out a bunch of the ones that we're excited to talk about. And read, and we bring them home to our respective quiet places, and we read the shit out of them. And then we come back to this wonderful comic shop that Django built with his bare hands Gosh. brick and Mordor. Um, <laughs> Mordor? <laughs> Mostly uh, Mordor. He pulled the shop out of m- the. V- <laughs> minus Tirith and minus Morgul over there in Fairhaven. Um, so there's
2: only one way to destroy this shop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, we bring those books back here, and we engage in a variety of tangents on this podcast in this safe, safe, hallowed hall. Um, and uh, those tangents are either related to the comings and goings of our lives, which is an important one that I usually leave for third. Uh, Roman. <laughs> Roman. Uh, related to the books or related to the shop that we work in. Um, I have used to be better at that, um, but it's I, been a couple days. I have an idea for that. Go, Han.
0: I, <laughs> <laughs> I think we should... Challenge our listeners to send in their version of our intro.
2: I'm not letting them run the show. They're not running the show. We're going to splice them together.
1: I would love for a customer to send me an audio of anything a voicemail a review of a comic book just a greeting an intro of their own i, I want would, ronnie doyle to do our intro i <laughs> would love that <laughs> i would love it um speaking of which did you get a voicemail last week for us uh yeah i did yeah sweet did. that's for the end of the podcast yeah cool oh, um, yeah, let's not forget that yeah that's exciting you guys it's good to see you let's finish this intro um we're going to be talking about a few books this week, and all of those books have very specific content related to the innards of the book. No. And I don't want to spoil the content for everybody, but I'm going to give you a content warning. Content warning. Warning.
0: Warning. Warning.
1: And those books that are going to have content are Eugenic, number one.
0: Uh, The Shadow Batman, number one. Batman White Knight. Number one. <laughs> number one. Batman 32. Uh...
1: We'll probably talk about The Tick, number one. Uh, Sweetness, number five. And we're going to finish this all off with a book called Slots, number one, that most of you probably don't know anything about. um, Because I didn't know anything about it, and it was real great. It's It's about slots, right? Yeah, it's a slot machine. It's all about uh, the the comings and goings of the slot machine. and Well, the origin. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. (laughs) My name's Django. My name is Brayden. And I'm your sweet baby brother, Jeff. No. Hey buddy. You're not my, No, I, I... I was playing the theme song to My Brother, My Brother and Me today mm-hmm. in the store, and a customer said, this is the theme from a bim-bam. Uh-huh. And I said, you're the only person that's ever gotten that, and I play this every day to see if someone's going to get it. You get an extra 5% it's off your transaction. John
2: Roderick in the Long Winters <laughs> from the album <laughs> and today's It's debate. a departure <laughs> off of <him. laughs>
1: Um... Brayden, you and I read Eugenic Number One. Oh, we sure did. This is written by James Tanyon with art by Eric yeah. Donovan. Uh,
2: Jimmy T I V. Jimmy T I V. First thing I want to say about this book, <laughs> yeah. I love that we have the credits on the cover, on the back, and on the first page. Wow.
1: And you also get um, pictures with all those people on the second to last, third to last page. Yeah. You get more credits with yeah. pictures of them. Yeah. So and it's
2: like I love a lot of a lot of comics it's like marvel dc there's a lot of brand loyalty i just want to know who's making the goddamn thing (laughs) and dc hides it on whatever random page they feel like yeah that's real bad uh it was it was refreshing to be constantly reminded who made this book
1: so i was really excited for this book before it was coming out because it had a real cool pitch and then i uh we're recording this podcast several days later than we normally do brayden read this before any of us and wanted to make sure we included it on the podcast so can you talk to me a little bit about this book Yeah,
2: so it follows a plague of sorts, like a. They call it the Mississippi Delta virus. It's basically like a bird flu, swine flu thing gone (coughs) global and gone bad.
1: Uh, as opposed to all those real fun swine flus mm-hmm. that, that just kind of fizzle out. The yeah, but, but I mean, my
2: flu. brother had a little swine flu, <laughs> just kind of burped it out.
1: <laughs> Came out as a giant egg and green viscous fluid. <laughs>
2: oh, it was beautiful.
0: I thought we weren't reading insects anymore. <laughs> oh, that is exactly <laughs> what that is.
2: So, yeah, super, super flus swept the country, and this scientist for a pharmaceutical company creates a cure, basically. And the cure saves everyone. It stops all the writing and the craziness that's going on. the The, the company sells it like at cost, so like everybody can get it. Uh, and everyone views him as like the savior of the world. Uh, one one little one little tidbit though he uh, he put something in the in the cure that uh, <laughs> that fucks up people's genes, so uh-huh. they the first child that's born after this uh, cure has been spread global-wide is a weird-looking mouth baby with, like, full set of teeth.
1: It's got a much larger head than it should, a large and head. most of it is a mouth.
2: And it's, like, kind of like a rich pink.
0: And its mouth is above its eyes, which... Yeah. That's my least favorite thing in the world, and I love this picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mouth should always be below your eyes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If you're a fish, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a fish and your mouth is above your eyes, fuck you. Whoa. <laughs> Listen,
1: if you're listening to this podcast and your mouth is above your eyes, maybe Django's worldview is upside down. <laughs> um, and there's nothing wrong with the who no. you are and the way you are, and I'm sorry for my counterpart. <laughs> Jeffrey.
2: <laughs> so this scientist, uh, Dr. Cyrus Crane, he he's basically created This what he sees as this like perfect genetic structure that he's incorporated into this cure, so everyone will start having these quote unquote perfect babies that like eat less, sleep less, look all pretty similar, with slight differences.
1: So but like So he explains it all very thoroughly. He explains it and as I got it, everyone was gonna be pardon my language, but a freak like, everyone was going to be different. Everyone is going to have eyes yes. in slightly different places or mouths in slightly different places, um, and that is going to cause there to be not, like, hate yeah. between people because everyone was going to have... Like, there's not you going said, to be a, a heteronormative anything. Yeah. It, it's, if everybody has variation, um, nobody is going to be a minority because everyone's like, a minority. And
2: nothing's weird about people is going to be, like, fetishized, I think yeah. at the point. It's like...
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: and then, how's it all wrap? Well, the babies start coming out, and they're all weird, and people are complaining, like, hey, you fucked up our kids. And so he has a big press conference, and he's like, no, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. So this was completely intentional. And then he, like, releases this airborne thing that kills everybody in the room that's on the pharmaceutical company board. Um, they all die. Including himself. He dies. In the in his pursuit of this goal for a perfect utopian world with perfect beings. And um, then
1: cut to two hundred years in the future. Yeah.
2: Wait, does it cut? It will. Oh, uh, thirds.
1: Oh gosh. It cuts and then the next issue, which is will be two of three, is mm. two hundred years in the future. And yeah, this is So were you I so you were excited to talk about it. I were you fond of it or not fond of it?
2: I was fond of it. Uh it was It was cool to see this kind of thing play out to an extreme case. I love uh, like apocalypse, like post or otherwise, like during pre-post, which is everything. But
1: yeah, no, I I also really liked it, and I do like an apocalypse thing myself. And I I think that this was a really well done apocalypse thing, mm-hmm. Django. We've got a virus. We've got everybody after the virus is going to be born, essentially a freak, and then the guy who made that happen kills himself. We've got two more issues. I think the setup is awesome. I think the art is really cool because it's, like, gross.
2: Yeah, especially when they all start dying and, like, melting, their skin falling off. and
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, it's gross.
1: I,
2: this...
0: I haven't read it. Right. But, well, I, but I really, I only haven't read it because it kind of went under my radar uh, right out of the gate, and I didn't bring it home. Uh, it looks awesome. I like that the art is like. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say a cut rate Sean Murphy, but the art reminds me of Sean Murphy I can, I can a lot less sure. detailed uh, and with a, a little less something. Um, but yeah, I think it's. Uh, I I am very interested in this book.
2: They they do a good job of making the uh, the, the main scientists like seem genuine and like. You almost think he's got, like, the right idea, but it never quite, like, crosses that line into, like, you sympathizing with his ultimate goal, which is clearly, like, a bad thing. Like,
1: Yeah. It was paced well. The, yeah, the characters were done well. It was also just a well-conceptualized world. I mm-hmm. love um, – so we had an encounter today with a, a violent person on the street – so I was sort of stressed and pessimistic about that. And then right before I left to go home, I read something about, like, Pence walking out of a sporting event, mm-hmm. being a total dickwad like he do. And uh, and then I started reading this book. And this – like, I was already in kind of a bad mood. And this book put me in a worse mood because it was, like, perfectly um, – cynical like Mm -hmm. like this person that like saved the world then kind of trapped the world and it it really made me um, frustrated and stressed out and feel bad about this doctor Mm -hmm. and while making me feel bad well done like Jimmy T.I.V. oh yeah way to go Uh, J.T.I.V. um yeah, I don't think you can super super easily do that. They in him like in talking about him making this cure. He talks about how he has the the picture from Life Magazine that won the pro won whatever mm-hmm. Time Magazine picture award of like people hanging the people that were sick and like that is just a really really fantastic bit of world building. Like, yeah, they, he Jimmy Tiv does a really good job in non-superhero books, which is something that Django brought up not long yeah. ago. He did Cognetic and Mimetic and, mm-hmm. and some other... Which, like, is these, the these are all,
2: they're all loosely tied together. Yeah, so. and I was Is this say... one too? Mm-hmm. They're not the same, like, uh, setting, but it's all, like, kind
1: of apocalypse. Okay, but it's not related in terms... Because like, Cognetic and Mimetic were actually part of a series.
2: Okay, so I think this is, like, a spiritual successor to those. It, it
1: felt like coming from the same guy, which is good, because it is coming from the same guy, but it also... Uh, yeah, I mean, it just clearly he's got a thing that he's thinking about. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this was really, really apocalyptic and good. My one complaint is that it was pretty dense. But oh, it is, yeah. It is three. It's going to be only three issues long. I think I would rather see this as, like, five issues long and maybe have a little less density to it. It was a lot of pages, and the pages were, like, filled with very dense word balloons, and it was very expositional. But I think that it had to be expositional. Oh, yeah. Um. So I guess... I don't know. I think that this is a book that would work really well in trade because it is. I don't know if Jimmy T. Iv uh, does like novels or prose writing, but he seems like he would be really good at that as well because this is very mm. prose heavy. This guy's an interesting writer. Um, he's the one that Scott Snyder took under his wing and got a bunch of work, and uh, he does. Yeah, I, I like his non-superhero stuff a lot more than his superhero stuff, and yeah. and this was this was cool. I think that. A lot of people would like this. It was very gross feeling in a, a clearly intentional way. Yeah. So it's uh,
0: it's what it's probably double double comic thickness. Yeah, it it's, feels it's, that it's
2: extra. It's like what five six bucks.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a lot thicker. It's got a lot mm-hmm. of good back matter. Um, Brayden and I were talking about how this looks like it's a like a, an image comic. Like, it feels like Image, and that's something that I think Boom is stepping up to give uh, more out-there creators a shot at making comics lately. Um, like, they're they're doing a really hard push to bring new creators on to their own creator-owned properties, and the stuff that they're releasing from that seems to me to be the same kind of stuff that Image was putting out when it was starting to release Chew and saga saga yeah, Project, all that stuff from like five or six years ago yeah. when image was realized i think at some point holy cow we can make a lot of really good comics and give these new creators a shot and and image is still putting out new stuff by new creators all the time but they're um like they're Quality control, I think, isn't quite as as strict as it used
1: to be. Mm-hmm. I have a theory about that. I Well, mean, not necessarily a theory, but you've got all these amazing writers that like five years ago started books. And not only started a book, but started like multiple books. Mm-hmm. So now you have all these amazing writers who are like, you know, anywhere from 13 to 25 issues into this series. And they're not making new books. So like Image can't be like, we got a new Hickman book. But like right. for a year there... <laughs> You know, Southern Bastards was starting, and Manhattan Project, and then then all of Hickman's subsequent books, and Remender released like four or five over that two years. Um, A lot of people did, but now they're all wrapped up in those books. So, like, the flip of that is that they can't be making new stuff, right? So it's hard to onboard new readers. Yeah, so they're trying to like get all these new series, but they're pretty frequently kind of subpar or just par. Which is how I thought Slots was going to be that. Yeah. Um, Which we'll come back to later, but. but yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with what Boom's doing. And it's three issues, like this is thirty-four pages. That's an interesting format—three thirty-four-page issues. But it
0: gives him the room to breathe, kind of like Headlopper gives. Uh, what was his name? McLean. Yeah, mm-hmm. Andrew. Andrew McLean. Andy. John. John McLean. Mm-hmm. Room Juan to breathe. Juan. Um, you know where where he can actually stuff all of this world building into this one issue of Eugenic and hook you for the. The next issue, which is more of a sequel, it seems like. Like, it's not a next issue. 200 years in the
1: future. So it's basically like, okay, this doctor had this terrible idea to make everybody uh, genetically, you know, non-homogenous. And and now it's like, okay, 200 years later, let's see how that pans out. And I don't know when this next issue comes out.
2: Yeah, and it's going to be – it's like, it seemed very character-focused, like, but still – Mainly concerned with like this world and setting it up, and like I'm I like being able to like jump from how did this world come to be, what's it like in this world, how is this gonna resolve? Like,
1: and the main character who died at the end, spoilers, um, is a very complex character, mm-hmm. and they do a really nice job with that, yeah. Um, and I think
2: like even near the end, he's like, you know, I'm very confident in this, maybe I'm not right,
1: but. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I am. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I'm going to give it a 7.5. I would give it an 8, but I just think that I might have liked maybe this is so big because they wanted to include all this information before the time jump at the end, but I I would have liked a a little less exposition heavy. I mean, it it didn't really detract from it, but it I know that every I mean everybody likes a different type of book, but I I don't like to necessarily feel like there's an amount of work i have to do to get through a comic book i don't want to feel like oh do i have enough time to get through this yeah i mean
2: this was the first book i read in Mm -hmm. the stack and i read it like the day it came out so i had i i felt no pressure to rush through it and i was able to like kind of Mm -hmm. immerse myself in this dialogue and which i think rewarded me like getting to know this character not knowing what his end goal really was, mm-hmm. except you know, vaguely eugenics-related, <laughs> which is generally bad. But yeah, the, seeing it pan out was really rewarding. So, um, how many swollen
1: fetuses do you give it?
2: Uh,
0: eight. Oh. I give it eight
2: Boop. swollen fetuses.
0: I wish I could vote on it, but I can't. But did y- we say everybody's names?
2: Uh, yeah, here we did. Okay, yeah. D. D. Kind of on letters or colors. No, I didn't say him. Yeah. Uh, S- might
0: be a lady, Jeff.
1: Sorry, D. Sorry, D. Uh oh!
0: Can we talk about the Shadow Batman?
1: Listen, we got to talk about the Shadow <laughs> Batman, and we also need to talk about Batman Shadow. No, we, we already talked about Batman Shadow. Did we talk about the final issue of it on the podcast? Didn't we? I don't think that we did. did didn't we, we talk about every
2: every issue? I
0: thought we talked about every issue.
1: If we talked about the last one, we rushed through it because I didn't get to talk to you. I don't well, feel like I wanted to have a sort of summative conversation about Batman Shadow with you. All right, um, and this book would fall into it as well.
0: Well, so this one's by Steve Orlando alone, without James or without uh, Scott Snyder. Snyder. Uh, art by Giovanni Timpano, with uh, Flavio Dispensia as the colorist, Taylor Esposito, on letters. <laughs> I could keep going. There's like a thousand people listed here.
1: Who was the VP of uh, of Dynamite?
0: VP of Dynamite is uh, unlisted. Oh, Juan Colado is the president, COO. <laughs> uh,
2: president. That's Kuh. good radio. That's president good radio. <laughs>
0: hmm. So yeah, uh, the last issue of Shadow Batman. I, I maybe we just ran short on time or something. Did it, it maybe w- come out the same week that uh, we
1: got? It was Justin's bye-bye thing. Uh, okay, so I don't think we talked about it. I remember liking Thought it and not me. loving it. And that's I guess what I want to talk to you about. And. I guess let's talk about this issue first, and let's okay. talk about then comic books that are a combination of Batman Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one's caused a lot of confusion in the store because uh, people
0: asked to be subscribed to that Batman Shadow book that just came out. Um, but this is the Shadow Batman book.
1: And it came out confusing two weeks the new kids. after
0: the last issue of the final one yeah. of the other volume. Uh, I really liked this one. I thought that the art... I really enjoyed the art. I told Jeff that I thought this art was better than uh, the art in the other one. I no. would like to back off from that a little bit. Uh, is, I, I don't
1: think it's better, but I think it's... I can tell you the panel that made me take issue with that. It was it
0: sure wasn't page two, because page two is rad. Oh, yeah, the, the panel that Batman is... Looks like
1: an old man. You can't well, tell if it's got lips or teeth. That's... It's definitely not a toothy Batman. Like it's not Braden Batman, likes. right? That's the question. Um, basically we have, no, um, that's the shadow. Possibly. We don't Is know that the question. That's not the question. <laughs> Bas I mean, what we got Batman fighting professor pig with Robin. Um, and then Damien Robin. Yeah. And then the shadow shows up to talk to professor pig who's been arrested and wants to know why he's in New York, or whatever city Shadow like, hangs out in. And,
2: okay. Yeah.
1: And then, uh, Batman goes to confront Robin at the end and Batman's acting kind of weird and Robin's acting pretty rude and uh, maybe we don't know if the Shadow is being Batman there.
2: It's either the Shadow or someone else.
1: So you don't think it's Bruce? I
2: I don't think Bruce Batman talks. I don't think his skin is that weird and pale, and I don't think he talks in black speech bubbles like that.
1: Cool. I I wasn't sure what we were thinking, if that was Batman or not.
2: I thought thought the black uh, speech bubbles was
0: was, was supposed to be hinting at it. Well, and the fact
1: that Robin... Blows
0: him up at the end of the yeah. issue, like puts a back grenade on him, and and then he explodes. I, yeah, but it's bear but in bo- mind it is also <clears throat> comics. That's true, yeah. but.
1: Yeah, I also don't see Batman beating the shit out of Robin like he does okay. here. Like, that's a little kid. I agree. Th- that was a thing that I was like, either I don't like Listen, this writing of Batman or Have you guys not read All-Star Batman. Batman and Robin? <laughs> I have not intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody
0: said, uh, God, I can't remember who I was talking to, but they said that there's a theory that uh, the All-Star Batman and Robin oh. is set on one of the uh, negative... Somebody earth. brought that oh. up at Moonbase
1: while we were both there. Yeah. I mean, shit,
2: there's 52 of them. I'm sure Millerverse could... Yeah, or All Star Batman and Robin Miller Bruce. World. Wait, no, <laughs> you can't do that.
0: <laughs> That's um, Miller World. I I really like the art in here, and maybe it's just because I don't think I've ever seen a picture of Professor Pig that I didn't like. <laughs> um, that character is terrifying, and um, yeah i I thought this issue was pretty cool. I'm not sure that I like the references in this one. Blue Coal Cemetery. The Blue Coal Cemetery was a little bit of a stretch for me. Like, name it after one of his agents, or like, name it Wells Cemetery after Orson Wells, who did the Voice of the Shadow on the radio. Like, pick something else. I'll
1: say that, but also, I read that, and I was like, I get that now because of Django, and I wouldn't (laughs) have if I didn't. So, like, it might be a little bit on the nose to you, but I felt sort of part of... uh, an exclusive circle because of I didn't you. get it. Yeah, yeah.
0: Blue Coal is the uh, company that used to sponsor the Shadows uh, radio shows. I it's a, it's a, oh you know cut. I have, I remember hearing that. Yeah, yeah, it
1: was... yeah. It's a deep cut. Brought to you by Blue Coal. Oh, it's a deep cut. The um, shadow looks. I mean, I do. I like the art, but I like it more like it's really good generic art. Yeah, I don't mean to be insulting, but it's yeah. like it's really good, not super unique art. Whereas the previous volume was really good, very unique art to me. Riley Rossmo mm-hmm. is,
0: is amazing. Um, and this is engaging. It's it, it, Both this and the other one ha, are, are way better than any modern Shadow comic has been since, like, 1989,
1: 1991. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I really liked the last volume for the art and the interactions of Batman Shadow. I didn't really care about the overall plot of it. But the the dialogue and the art and like totally kept me engaged and I thought it was great yeah. the whole time through. This one, I think the art is is great also, and and it yeah. I mean, I don't have any complaints about the writing either. I, I think this one is is also quite good. I don't like it quite as much just because like this didn't co- cause me to, like put the book down and like say oh shit at any point yeah. like the last one did. But it was engaging. But it was absolutely engaging, and and I think it's crazy that I enjoy the shadow now. I don't know if it's from working with Django for years or if it's from that last volume. Or, well, it's or probably
2: just because you like Batman so much. And I do like you Batman. You know, uh, Shadow is based on I Batman, actually. <laughs> I
1: absolutely know that. Um, and so I like Batman and any poor man's Batman derivatives. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, you guys are dicks. <laughs> um, yeah, I think what I really liked about the other one was that there was a mystery about the relationship between Batman and the Shadow and there is mm. that like all jokes aside shadow came and then batman was partly based on the shadow mm. and so that to have sure. them to have them go head to head and kind of confront that in the comic was interesting to me as a fan of of both and actually kind of as a fan of batman because he he was based on the shadow like that was the deal maker for me when i uh, when i started reading the shadow or the batman books um and this one is less of that kind of or zero of that kind of mystery. It's like mm. it's almost like two concurrent storylines that are obviously gonna converge at some point.
2: Yeah. And it New York City, um, has that existed in DC before? I know I've seen Chicago around, but I
0: always thought Metropolis was just New that York. That might be true. I don't know. I think New York's been around. I think Matches Malone is maybe even from New York, isn't he? Ah. I don't believe it.
1: Well, I so then matches is a good segue into Grant Morrison. Yeah, um, Professor Pig. Professor Pig and Damien. And Damien. So this picked up some some things from Grant Morrison's run, which is fine because a lot of stuff does now, but boy, um, Damien is sure not written, uh, you know, this is like- Like he's
2: had any character development yeah, at all? Yeah,
1: like, and that is a big complaint that I have that I know a lot of other people have is Grant Morrison's- run with Damien and his whole run is basically rooted in sort of the Damien character arc and by the end of that he's a very different character than he is at the beginning Mm -hmm. and since he died and was brought back they've just been writing him like he never like halfway through yeah and that's a bummer Um, because he's a little shit and he's a little shit who learns basically respect by the end of Grant Morrison's run and that's not present here at all and also I like Professor Pig a lot but he's certainly not as Fucked up in this as he is no. in Graham Morrison's. Run. I don't.
2: Yeah. I don't like him just kind of being used as. I don't. I don't know if it's safe to say he's throwaway yet, but as just kind of a
1: filler yeah. villain to
2: connect these two. Like, if you're gonna bring out a heavy hitter like Professor Pig, like, make it hit heavy.
1: Yeah, like. I couldn't agree more.
0: I'd love to see Professor Pig get some new tricks too. The Dolatrons are cool. Like yeah, they're cool. Like a Taylor
1: just like. More dollatrons. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, he really... Graham Morrison created him, what, like <clears> five <throat> years ago? He's not been around for long.
0: Uh, I think that was a lot more than five years.
1: Was it the beginning
0: of the New 52, which is at least seven?
2: It was around that time. New New was in the issue f- was
0: 2012. He was in the first... Was it really? He was yeah. in the first issue of... Uh, Batman and Robin, Batman which Robin. was before
2: New 52. God, no. And he made such a big impact when he first showed up. I was... Yeah, like new villains are hard to get into, but
1: this guy followed by the the flamingo. Yeah, <laughs> the
2: fucking flamingo.
1: So this made me really want to read Grant Morrison's Batman. Yeah, Man. I want to go back and read I'm it like, again. I'm going to read that whole run again. Um, this was good. It reminded me of the art uh, by Eddie Barrows in Detective Comics, like yep. that watercolory, cool thing that Eddie Barrows does is what most of this issue was. So it was pretty awesome art. He also has some like Ramon Villalobos, like lots of shoes and lots of cool yep. stuff like that. And a little
0: bit of uh, Tim Bradstreet in oh, some yeah, of these gosh. Batman
1: pictures. So I guess I'm just curious, Django. Like, you're a guy who loves the shadow, and then the last miniseries ended, and the ending I don't feel like was as great as the the series on the whole. And then we're talking about this one. You're a guy who loves the shadow and i don't love the shadow historically not that i dislike him but i don't know anything about him so these comics for me are like pretty awesome cuz i'm yeah. it's like i'm coming from the other end of not knowing anything and then you're coming from this end of loving the shadow i guess like do you not love them do they not feel like true shadow does this feel like the shadow that you love huh. does the shadow that you love ever come through when it's presented with a batman book because it's a very different
0: thing then. like the, the other, the, the Batman Shadow, the book that just finished up on issue six, I think hit the, the tone of the shadow closer for me than anything else. Um, what I like about the shadow is his agents uh, who work for him more than the shadow himself. Because the shadow is kind of one note. Like mm. when you boil it right down, he's just kind of uh, an old school jerk who kills people. Right? Like he decides if you have evil in your heart and bang you're dead. Or he's got people helping him out. So like he'll see that you are going about to do this evil thing and he'll save you and make you work for him for the rest of your life. But he's he's never really a good guy. He's even more driven than Batman when it comes right down to it. He seems kinda like a butthole. He is. He mm-hmm. is. And that's like I guess I like the way he looks the most, his mythology the second most. Like his his crew of people and in every shadow comic that's come out with batman in it it's been in modern day and you can't have the shadows old school teammates still around unless they're super old like in the other one margolaine mm-hmm. was around and in this one margolaine dies like all we have is a funeral scene of margolaine yeah, dying like that was fucking bullshit Margot yeah Margot,
1: <laughs>
0: Shadow. I'm on my way.
1: <laughs> Our pinball machines talk.
0: Um, yeah, so I I I love the character of the Shadow. I'm not sure that uh, we'll ever see another really good representation of him for what I want out of it, but uh, it definitely holds a special place in my heart. His so. costume is definitely awesome. Like for something that was that's so old
2: and that like, yeah. still holds up so well. Yeah. yeah, it's super cool.
1: Yeah, I and and this art really is awesome like there's there's some great stuff in this I would give this a seven Uh, I thought it was pretty good and I liked the art and I would maybe feel different about it if it weren't immediately preceded by something that I liked a lot Um, yeah but I do I think this has got cool stuff and I'm gonna keep reading it and it's cool that it's feeding off a lot of Grant Morrison stuff but it um, really (laughs) made me miss Grant Morrison writing big DC comics
0: Uh, yeah I'm gonna give it a seven also uh, I mean it. It's not the best
1: comic in the world, but I sure liked it. I just want Django to like fucking love Shadow Comics. Yeah, and he I, loves I don't know the Shadow. Exactly
0: what it would take if if someone were to hire um, Andy Helfer and Kyle Baker to finish the run that they just left as a cliffhanger <laughs> as a joke. That might be my favorite comic that has ever been made. Um. Because it had all of that it had all the shadows old agents and then the shadow had to get new agents. so it had Margot Lane and Harry Vincent and Clyde De- Clyde Burke was killed in the early ones. So it had like all these people who were 70, 80 years old and then the shadow had to go out and m- make new agents. So you had like these two groups of people who were honestly being kind of abused by the shadow, but they had like distinct personalities and they all had their own little dramas. I going
1: hope that on. that doesn't ever happen so that you don't have to be disappointed. Ooh.
0: Yeah. There's no way I could be disappointed. Because nostalgia <laughs> is a very, oh, very painful super drug.
1: Uh, six out of ten. Six out of ten? Okay. Um, Batman the White Knight came out. I was pretty excited about this book.
0: I was excited about it, too. Sean Murphy, the... Matt Hollingsworth. What you... do I know from Sean Murphy from?
1: Punk Rock Jesus, okay. The Wake. Um, most okay. recently, he did... Tokyo Ghost. Tokyo Ghost.
2: Oh. And oh, a the, bunch yeah. of
1: Scott Snyder Batman stuff. Joe the Barbarian. Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. It's some
0: old-school Vertigo stuff, too, before Joe the Barbarian.
1: He's, he's, I like his art a lot. Punk Rock Jesus, he wrote Andrew, and that's a really cool book.
0: Yeah, I guess I didn't know him as a writer, um, but this is a really, really well-written
1: book. So, okay, I thought you were about to tell me you didn't really, you were excited about it until you read it. What, what happened? Tell me about your feelings. Well,
0: here. I was excited about it, and then I read it, and I liked it even more than I thought I would. Oh, wow, Django, you are a baseball diamond of a human being. <laughs> <laughs> um... I don't remember the last time I saw the word asshole in a Batman comic. Whoa. Did they say asshole? I missed yeah, it. The cop that he runs into says, asshole ran into me.
2: Oh, God. Yeah. So this is... Like a... Okay, cool.
0: Man, okay. So can we, can we give people a little bit of inside baseball here? Yeah, yeah. Normally, we, we record this podcast on Wednesday or Thursday, right after the comics come out. Yeah. This week, it's been crazy busy. We re-inventoried
1: um, the store.
0: re the store. Other stuff happened. Like, it's just been a bonkers week, and we're recording on Monday, which means that Jeff and my favorite podcast, the iFanboy Pick of the Week, already came out, so things I want to say about this comic are things that they said about this comic, and I'll bet that's going to happen with Slots, too, and I'm not going to really hold back. Don't but pull
1: any punches. We just we all a, have opinions.
0: Just an interesting thing, and I, I'd like to uh, reiterate what they said. Please do. Why no. won't DC use the Elseworlds stamp on things? Because this is an Elseworlds. Comic. Oh, heck
2: yeah, it is. I think they've even
0: said somewhere.
1: It's a good question. Do you think it's because we don't need that anymore to, like, hmm. emphasize that you can make your own? Like, has Dark Knight Returns ever been labeled as an Elseworld story? I don't no.
2: think you and I, like, need that, but some people definitely do. Uh, I kind of I've think I've seen think customers come to the shop who are very confused about Metal. Like, is this taking place in the main continuity? Mm. Is, this, is it important? And I'm like... I don't think... I don't know. I wouldn't worry about and it I too can much. But I can see why some people would be concerned. Like, you know, it's nice knowing what's what
1: in, it's your, a good in, your word. P- in your toy box. It is, so. Elseworlds. Well, but Django, you got into Batman when there was, like, largely one continuity, and then there was Elseworlds that weren't that. Yeah. And for me, I got into Batman trying to figure that out, and the only way I could make sense of that puzzle was that none of this fits make your own. Right. And, like, that was just as... As as an adult, that was the only way I could comprehend comic books, and that's been fine for me. But if I hadn't been forced to make that theory then, then I would be like, this isn't what, this doesn't make sense. Um, and yeah, I think comics are a really interesting medium because I talk to so many people that are on one side of that or the other every day. Yeah.
0: Well, okay, and so the the reason I bring that up is that this book is not in the main no. continuity. First of all, it's got a cooler Batmobile than Batman has ever had in the DC universe. Yeah, Sean Murphy. It's like, it's on par or better than the Killing Joke one.
1: Ooh, favorite Batmobiles, go. This one. Animated series. This is I your just favorite? I just said it. You said animated series? Mm-hmm. I would say animated series or I would tie that with the Tim Burton this is which almost a space. mix of those two. This is almost a mix of those two.
0: Yeah, this one is like what the shadow would drive if the shadow were <laughs> now. Um, but basically, uh, the story is uh, that la- one year ago, the Joker led Batman on this crazy chase, and Batman got super driven, like he always is. But he was pretty reckless,
2: putting people in danger, putting
0: a lot of people in danger, driving over roofs, which I think was a um, that was a uh, hint at the Tim Burton. Movie or not? Mm-hmm. The, sorry, the the Christopher Nolan movie, mm-hmm. where he's driving over over houses and stuff pretty recklessly. Uh, he do, he jumps over a drawbridge. He he, uh, he
2: knocks down a cop, which they
0: make a big deal about. Yeah, I'm not
2: I'm not super concerned
0: about this cop getting knocked down. Well, but that's not something Batman should do. Right? No, no. But and so Joker leads him into a place that they're making or that they're destroying these experimental pills, and kind of goads Batman into trying to poison him with pills and. Uh, they happen to make the Joker sane, and then the Joker, in his, in his sanity, talks the, uh, talks everybody into putting Batman in Arkham Asylum.
1: Well, he doesn't sleep for three days reading legal documents.
0: Yeah. Like a sane person. But he gets, he gets Batman thrown in, in Arkham, and so we have a total role reversal between Batman and the Joker, um... I really like the idea. I think the execution was really good. I have a couple complaints, including that uh, Jack Napier Mm -hmm. is apparently officially the Joker in this book. Oh, gosh, yeah. I don't like having a
2: concrete backstory for Mm -hmm. the Joker. Yeah,
0: although, you know, if he's he's
1: turning into the good guy, maybe that's what he needs.
2: Yeah, he's got to, like, if he's going to have an identity. And if
1: this is Elseworlds... You can kind of like they're not yeah. saying his name necessarily in the main continuity. I feel like right. Scott Snyder intentionally said he was trying to undo that, Yeah. and he used like Joe Chill as a way of just saying like some Joe schmo, like some Joe Chill killed him, you know. Right. Um, but or no, that was actually for the identity of who killed his parents. Never mind. Yeah, I don't like the Jack Napier thing. Uh, I I think that they're. What do you guys think? Do you think that that because they make it a a big deal though, that they can't find out what this drug is that cured the Joker. Do you think that it's not actually a thing, and like maybe we're gonna find out that the Joker chose to do this, or this was like his intention? Like,
2: it's really weird that this is what's gonna make or break, if I like this book or not. If it's gonna be if that's the case, yeah. Because I love the Joker and I love his mad genius, Mm -hmm. and like I would love it if this is all a big joke Mm -hmm. that he's gonna pull a punchline Mm -hmm. out at the end, and if it's not. I'm gonna be kind of upset, and I usually wouldn't be like that if it's as long as it's just a good story. But I'm really invested in this character.
1: Yeah, I, and I think that it is because they're leaving that as an open mystery throughout mm-hmm. it, and I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there is that wonderful page though of him like not able to sleep while he's going through the withdrawals of this like the, this drug, and it's like, his whole history, and yeah, like well, Harley Quinn soaked Harley in blood Quinn with the Quinn thing that says so "Why cool, don't you man? love me?" and like, just a really good... So,
0: that page is followed immediately by the Joker sitting mm. in his cell. And that's just full of cool little Batman Easter eggs. A lot of them from the animated series and mm-hmm. the Tim Burton movies. Um, a lot of them from the Tim, Bur- Tim Burton movies. Like, the, the Batplane and the Joker with the long gun and the Batman holding Joker and saying...
2: Gosh, look at all those Batmobiles. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's he's drawn every Batmobile that ever existed down there. <laughs> he's got the statue that we have downstairs in the, in the shop. Um, he's got some very specific Batman lettering. Oh, it's it's uh, yeah. I I spent some time with that page, and that's mm-hmm. not something I usually do. I
2: I kind of like the Joker as like you know just a fanboy. He's just trying to like hang mm-hmm. out with Batman, but <laughs> I'm not sure if that's what I want Joker to be.
1: I would give this one an 8.5. Uh, I will also include that when you were talking about asshole, I realized while reading the last issue of the first arc of Black Bolt today that I I really like when you just get a slur of emojis or you know whatever asterisk, those asterisks I, asterisk. I cuz you know I always spend like a half second longer trying to think about what curse word is there. Me too. And I like getting to pick my own. Hmm.
0: Sometimes it's I can't find like, one though. And sometimes it just your own. Make sense. I didn't notice that there was swearing in this until I listened to that other podcast. But like, uh, Bullock says, uh, "No offense, Commissioner, but that's bullshit."
2: Oh, and we like, got a bull- We got
0: an shit. asshole, which is fine, but
2: a bullshit. Mm, well, it's bull- just bullshit.
0: That's not something that they let happen in the main DC universe, right? In and, superhero comics in general, like, and this this is rated teen plus. But they, I don't know. It's just it's just strange to me that they would make that decision and, and not make a bigger deal out of it. I'm going to give it an eight and a half also. Mm. Uh, a seven,
2: because I'm, I'm I'm hesitant to love it, but we'll see.
1: So I guess let's just talk for a second. Let's finish this Batman moment. Batman 32, the final issue of The War and Jokes and Riddles comes out. I feel like the ending of that arc was fine, Um but the most interesting part of this is where we get the answer in the end of the whole Batman proposing to Catwoman thing. Yeah, and she says yes at the end, which means she's either got to die or she's got to <laughs> betray him. Betray Listen, him. Listen,
2: why can't Batman just be happy? Have you met huh? Batman? <laughs> what if he? What if we just let him be happy? fuck that <laughs> that would be the end of batman's story listen more important than catwoman saying yes to me was her saying who cares yeah because i didn't i've been, i've just been waiting all this whole arc to find out what she says and i haven't even been reading most of war and jokes and riddles because i've just been waiting for it to get over
1: i read about a half of it
2: yeah, yeah. i read um, the whole
1: thing boys how was it
0: It was okay. There's something about the way Tom King is writing these longer stories that I don't like. Mm -hmm. I don't quite get everybody's motivation, even though he explicitly states their motivation in a grander scheme. I don't understand Mm -hmm. the the more granular, like, why is the Joker doing this? Why did the Joker, like, save the riddle and get his own hand stabbed? Like, why... Why Why do people do the things that they do? I understand why they have this evil plot. I just don't understand the, the day-to-day things that they do. And it's been like that in, like, through the Bane storyline and through this storyline. It's cool. I kind of wanted, I don't know, I wanted something different from this. And I'll bet that if I sat down and read it all as one book, I would appreciate it in a different way than what I thought I was getting in my monthly comic.
1: Yeah, I think that he probably gets it. But, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that his understanding of why is really coming through as well as he thinks it is Mm. he seems like a pretty humble dude though so i think that he's trying and he doesn't he doesn't necessarily seem like a super confident like ha ha killing it as batman's writer like i think he's a guy who's coming to terms with it but even with scott snyder's run like i i don't don't tell me this is going to be like 12 issues long like the bane one was interesting because i read every issue because it was like six followed by six followed by six like it was it moved in a way that I didn't feel like at any point, like, okay, there's 10 more issues of this. And when I found out that The War of Jokes and Riddle was going to be as long as it was, that was sort of when I stopped being excited about it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted just to know more, like, okay, what what is this about? I also have a really hard time with books that take place years beforehand. Mm-hmm. And this was like a prequel story.
0: A prequel that we've never heard of. Yes. Anything Uh,
1: called The War of Jokes and Riddles, you would have talked about in every single Batman
0: issue since.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it's just, it was like, okay, I don't really have a lot of weight for this. Um, I'll tell you what I did like. I really liked that
0: Kite Man ended up being, like, a main player in this. And that the Riddler, wasn't it the Riddler that set him up to become Kite Man? Yeah. Like...
2: Yeah, that's the only part that I feel like I've I've
0: missed out on in this story. Is is Kite it Kite sounds stuff. like
2: Kite Man stuff has been really fun. Yeah, and it's only been two
0: issues, right? It was he, well, Kite Man had two origin issues in this, but he's like he's been kind of a joke throughout the entire run of King's Batman. Like Batman has there in like issue 2 or 3, Batman is fighting different people on every day of the week. I remember that. And it like devolves all the way down to Kite Man and Condiment Man. And a couple other times, and and I think Kite Man always says, Kite Man, hell yeah! And so whenever there's been, like, a bad guy as a punchline, it's been Kite Man, and then you, you come to find out, like, he had this dev- devastating origin story, which doesn't make him a better villain, but it makes him a little more than just a, a punchline. Right. And then in this, um, Riddler admits that he um, had used the guy, and turned him into Kite Man in order to make the Joker laugh. Um, Which is, he says, me defeated by Kite Man begging mercy from Batman? That's funny. And so I I really like, I like that, that kind of forethought. I I think that he did it, I think he's had Kite Man in there on purpose with with something like this in mind the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, as a whole, the war of jokes and riddles doesn't,
1: so then, how do we feel about Catman, Cat, Catwoman, <laughs> Catwoman and Batman? That's is that, I mean, we all think that that's just going to end poorly. There's just a setup for some more Batman being unhappy. Do we think they're getting married? Is they, there going to be a wedding issue? They almost got Oof. together in Hush. They all they almost get together in everything. They got together
0: in the first issue of Catwoman, right? or they, they Cool did an article. They lived happily ever the, after in the Nolan
1: verse. The Nolan verse, yeah, they lived happily ever after, and, and Alfred drowned his sorrows in fanny broncos. <laughs> size of a tangerine. <laughs> size of a tangerine. Um, Justin knows. Justin, if you're listening, I'm here. I'm on the other side of the state, and I just said Fernie Branca, and everyone looked at me like I was silly. I saw a guy in a sweatshirt, Justin, that was it said Fernie Branca on it, and I asked if it was a reference to the drink. I brought it up yesterday in a conversation with people, and no one understood I was talking about The Dark Knight Returns. Justin, this is just for you. No one knows what I'm talking about with this Fernie Branca thing, and you and I used to joke about it all the time. Ugh. So, Batman 32, I don't know.
0: 6.5. I'll
1: give it a 7.
0: I really like the art. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not what I wanted to read, I guess.
1: I also really like the art. Right. I, I think that the character design is a separate thing, and the Riddler change in character design is, is sort of interesting, but I think that the art, like, they're the ones image of like batman stabbing forward that ultimately went into the riddlers or joker's hand like was a really interesting angle the the person it almost reminded me of kirby in some regards like he uh he's a he's a good artist i I like it
2: i think i go with the six i i like the joker one um i i think i've got the joke he was going for i don't like this riddler design at all
1: (laughs) He's a I, big old strong Irish boy. I hate
2: his weird face on this cover, but uh, looking forward to
0: this happy marriage. Woo! Hey, I wanted to talk real quick about a couple books. I want to hear about both a, of these things. Quick tick. Uh, yeah, just, just for a tick. Um, speaking of ticks. Yeah. Uh, Ew. Cullen Bunn. Oh. Cullen Bunn, Justin's guy. The Bun Boy. The Bun Boy. Cullen Bunn and Jimmy Z wrote A New Issue with a Tick... Uh, with art by Douglas Paskowitz. Um, this book was medium funny. I think if I read the old Ben Edlin ticks, they would also, at this point in my life, 25 years after I'm the target market, it would be medium funny instead of the funniest thing I'd ever encountered. Was it in my really funny life. back in the day? I thought it was hilarious. I actually uh, performed the first three issues live for people uh as part of my interp event for uh, forensics and debate and would have gone to nationals with it if i'd had more than two weeks to practice it
1: <laughs> he's been holding on to that for a long time <laughs> i should have been at nationals <laughs> um was wait did the take or was originally a comic book yeah comic created a...
0: created by ben edland and uh then it was a cartoon and then it was live a action. live action show and now hulu's got is Hulu, amazon. amazon amazon's a got a live movie action that live they, they spent some time in this saying this is not related to the amazon we just happen to be putting it out again uh meanwhile ben edlin the creator of the tick wrote the best episodes or i guess the funniest episodes of um firefly i'm not so, a firefly guy well I'm never mind. wow are you a fly guy? I love Firefly. Okay. All um, 13 episodes or whatever? And a movie mm-hmm. and okay. comics. Just I cried at one of the comics, goddammit. <laughs> um, the thing that I liked about this the most, though, uh, because the, the jokes are funny. They're, they're, they're fine. Eli's going to love this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eli! The, the plot doesn't really matter, but the art is an artist that I didn't think I would ever see actually doing anything beyond their insanely fucked up series, Cyanide... Uh, no, Cyanide. Arsenic Arsenic Lullaby. Oh. And Arsenic Lullaby is a bunch of shorts following different characters, and then they all kind of tie in, but it's like one-page comic strips. And uh, it was about... One of, one of the characters was a, a witch doctor. They got cursed to live in the suburbs. And he oh, took all of the aborted fetuses from his neighbors and turned them into his spies so that he could create and learn dr- drama from the neighbors. So, like, somebody would come in and be like, hey, so-and-so put their fence up on my side of the property line. And so he, like, sticks these fetuses on the window to spy on them so that he can get dirt on these people and that's like not even the most fucked up stuff that happens in his book and so to see him i was i was like seven or eight pages in and i was like i recognize that body language <laughs> and i realized that it was the same guy writing this very all ages or drawing this very all ages comic and i uh i just want to say props to uh douglas paskowitz because uh old school fan here Wish everything was collected and in print. I'd sell the shit out of it.
1: Um, I have not read this, but the art looks real nice. Did
0: you watch it, any of the tick? I
1: watched out? the live. A- I used to stay up late at night typing on MSN Messenger at Ooh, one o'clock in the morning AOL's while I would watch for re- reruns of the live action tick show and talk to my very very first girlfriend. It's um, a message from my teeth. <laughs> this 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 does this does look good. Brayden, you actually read it. I, I did. My only thought is that that art. Um, is real basic, and I would like to read that if there were fewer words in it. And I think that I'm realizing that like oh. the 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 simplicity of art um, related to the number of words needs to be at a certain way, like a certain balance for me to really get into. Like Headlopper did had just too many words in it to be to really balance out. Headlopper had too many. Well, the one issue that we read for the podcast, not oh, too long okay. ago, had like pages of text in it. Like actual like pages where there was just a couple images and then just paragraphs. Yeah. So that's my experience with it.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Tick is a very long-winded character, so like a lot of the words aren't important anyway. Yeah, you, so he is,
0: yeah. What'd you think, Brayden?
2: It was okay. I'm Yeah. I prefer horror bun to funny bun. Uh... <laughs> and then I was what never a fun bun. Bunny bun. Bun bunny bun Bunkins, um he's alright. But no, I I never got way into the tick uh as a kid. I do appreciate the kind of absurdist superhero parody comedy, and I think this scratched that itch pretty well. The art was a little static for me. Like there's a lot of action scenes where I didn't look like people were actually moving much.
1: Give me a one to ten, you boys. I'm gonna give it a five. Five. There you go. Is it weird that that made me realize that it's been two weeks and we haven't gotten a voicemail from Justin for the podcast?
0: That is weird.
1: I mean, should I have my... I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm, I'm a I'm a strong, independent woman. I, I don't need to have him calling me to make me feel like I'm recording a podcast. You should I? be
0: recording this on video so we can text it to him right now.
1: I mean, I talked to him this morning and yesterday morning. No! I sent him a video of me dancing today and he didn't <gasps> reply at all. <gasps> Wow, turd. apparently we're on the rocks. Well, Never mind. You should try talking to him
2: on MSN Messenger.
0: Oh, gosh. I, I also read a book this week called Sweetness by, oh, geez, Miss Lasco Gross with art by Kevin Colden and colors by Frank Reynoso. Um, this was the final issue of a Super Independence from Z2 Comics. It's like uh, weirdo space... Um, accidental drug dealers where these characters are sent into space to deliver prisoners and they end up, um, one of them ends up realizing that she's accidentally also smuggling sugar, which is a drug to the, uh, inhabitants of one of the planets they're going to. And so it's just kind of a slapstick drug smuggler, uh, characters in space. There's, there's a girl that really reminds me of, uh, of a friend of mine who works at the cafe down the street, um, and I think it's not until this issue that you find out that one of the main characters is trans. But it's not even like a—it's not a big reveal. It's just a conversation that they have, and I, that's a—that's kind of a theme I've seen in things lately where. Somebody's
1: sexuality isn't the
0: thrust of a comic or a story. It's just.
1: I think that they're doing a real awesome job of getting way, way more diverse in comic books um, and a large amount of that, like any type of diversity, and a large amount of that, they'll like really spotlight it. And then in other books, they do a really good job of not making that a thrust. Yeah. And um, Eugenic was, I think, did a really good job of that, um, building characters and not making any small part of their life define the character. Yeah. And it seems like DC and Marvel are failing more than anybody about making things like sexuality or oh, race. You yeah. Yeah, um, haven't
2: read all of Hellcat.
1: Well, Hellcat was canceled, baby. Like, Hellcat, <laughs> Mockingbird, like, uh, uh, the ones that are actually genuinely diverse, I think, are are canceled yeah. because Marvel's like, where's the punching? Like, but, yeah. But, um, and yeah. I, I don't mind the spotlight either, really. Like, I know...
2: Um, as long as it's not done schlocky, like I feel yeah. like the Iceman thing was like really schlocky. That one felt like that. But
1: even I don't know. I feel like there's lots of other ones where, like race, maybe particularly sexuality, also like it, I don't know. It, it almost feels like a lot of times those books come out and it's I don't know. I guess like got that white male privilege thing in my perception of it. So I just feel like sometimes they're like, oh, we're being diverse, and I don't know. Uh, I sometimes re- it feels like it's coming down from editorial or from marketing rather right. than
0: being an organic part of the And story. I feel mm-hmm. like
1: Eugenic did a really good job of it making – I feel like Boom, across the board, actually, has, is good at that, and it never really feels too heavy-handed to me. But – I, yeah, like, the Squirrel Girls and the Mockingbirds and the Patsy Walker, like, there is a corner of Marvel that is really, really, I think, pretty pretty good about that. But, like, Bendis, you know, like, having Iceman for no reason come out because he just suddenly realizes it. Is Bendis writing Iceman? N- no. He wrote Uncanny X-Men That's what and All-New X-Men and, like, came really out. late in his run he just has an issue where Iceman's talking and Jean Grey can read his mind and he's talking about how a girl is hot and she's like, you don't have to do that. And he's like, what? What do you mean? And, like, it's like he was in denial, but then he just suddenly realizes it. And I feel like that that particularly does a real disservice to, like, people who are coming to terms with that or struggling to come to terms with that. Like, it was just this whole, like, oh, like, I didn't notice it, but, yep, you're right, that was right behind me. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just get diverse creators, or talk to other diverse well, right. creators if you're going to include yeah. diverse and, and characters. and Cena in the Grace, who is you know f- uh, one of my favorite creators and the artist of like Little Depressed Boy, and what like one of the maybe the first creator that I ever like really bonded with at Emerald City Comic Con when I was still like super super shy. Like he's writing Iceman now, and that's perfect. But like Ben, yeah, I don't know, I don't know, I
0: don't know. Anyway, that was that was such a small plot point mm-hmm. of uh, of sweetness that uh, I like I I appreciated that. Yeah, um, just having it dropped in there, and and like one of the characters teases her about it for a second, and she punches her or something like that. Like it's, it's, it feels more based in reality than a story about people selling sugar as drugs and packing it inside of dead body anuses and stuff. <laughs> I would file this book next to Dave D4VE mm. from IDW, Big um, Django book because it's, it's goofy. Um, not because it's stupid. Like Dave is just straight up stupid. The whole premise is ridiculous. This one has real stakes. You feel sad when somebody dies in this issue. Um, the characters are like there's there's something special going on in this book. And it we ordered it really low. I'm sure everybody ordered it really low. z 2 comics. z 2 comics, if like anybody it's the ordered end of it. previews. Nobody nobody's paying attention, but I would say this is as good as anything that uh, we like from Boom, or we like from IDW. Every or issue I of like it has
1: IDW. looked good, and if there was just some way that I could get my hand on the issues, I would read it. Um, I, mean, I
0: could probably find them if you want to borrow them.
1: I don't believe that you have those.
0: Why don't they just name it A2 Comics? Ooh, exactly.
1: that would have been smart. Gen- I, when you, when the give? trade
0: comes out, i would going to be pushing hog. it
1: hard. Um, what do you give the whole series?
0: I would give this whole series uh, an 8. Nice. Yeah, It's not for everybody, but it's really, really good
1: um and then after that tangent about diversity i would really like we always want uh, cust- or customers or listeners to call in about anything but if you have an opinion about that i would really really love to hear that so our voicemail line is 16196637336
0: and if you live in washington don't forget the 1619 or it won't work yeah that's
1: new. But please call. Um, I know what these guys feel about stuff like that. So I, I, would, I would just love to hear different personalities. So you got two. No, I love you guys. Sorry. I didn't mean that to say, like, I don't love you boys. I love you. <laughs> I love you. You got insight. Uh,
0: what? I wasn't even listening. So we got two. <laughs> uh, we got two missions for our listeners. Yeah. Yeah, one, call and leave us your best interpretation of our ever-changing intro.
1: Please give us a recorded intro and we'll play it on the podcast. That would be so awesome. And, you know, if
0: we get enough of them, I'll bet Jeff can
1: make a little re- 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 remix of it. Oh, re- you know, Jeff loves to edit and
0: he I would love be to super remix. good at editing that stuff. Uh, is that uh, sarcastic? Nah. Your other mission is just I to go in. I do
1: a large amount of work editing things. I know you do. Do you love it? I do love it. Now yeah. I feel like I'm bad at it. No, I just thought you I've kind never of listened resented to it, it. it a bit. No, no, I love it. Okay. I do love it. I resent not having enough time, which is my yeah. thing. Um, you guys, let's talk about slots number 1 uh, as our final book here.
0: Is this the Skybound Yarn by David Dan Dan Panosian?
1: Listen, it is, but I'll tell Dan you something Pan. really important. This is not by Wilch Portachio? Wilch Portachio? It is not by him, which when I ordered this book, I thought it was... And I ordered low on it because every time one of the original image creators writes a book, no one buys it and no one cares. But everybody makes fun of it, so we have to have it on our shelves. I cite Youngblood, which we've sold no issues of the, you know, in the last three months when that's been coming out. But you know, if you
0: go to Moonbase, I've got a little stack of Youngblood number ones. If you want to jump on a series you haven't read yet, one dollar. I am so sorry.
2: You got to pay us for
0: Moonbase promotion here.
1: I am so sorry to uh, Dan Panosian who I confuse the last name of Wilsh Portacio with.
0: You know why Wilsh Portacio st- Are we saying his name right? Do nope. you know why Wilsh Portacio stopped drawing? Mm-mm. He broke his hand.
1: Oh my god.
0: Uh yeah, so like 5 issues into Wetworks or so. It might have even I might be confusing him with someone else, but he might have broken his hand playing baseball with the Image team. Um, regardless, he <laughs> messed up his hand and that's why we haven't seen a lot of work from himself. Well, shit.
2: I mean, Django Reinhardt messed up his hand.
0: Yeah, and he invented lead guitar. Yeah. And then gave birth to Django Boren. I know.
1: It was a... Never it was mind. a wet birth. It was a um, weird cloaca. This, <laughs> this book was... So, yeah, I read this after Django was like, that was really good. And I thought, wow, I misjudged that. <laughs> and that's why two people should place orders, not just one silly, silly <laughs> boy in one day. But this... Django, yeah, tell me about this. This was awesome.
0: So this basically follows a dude named Stewart. Is that right, I think? Yeah. Yeah, probably Stuart. Um, Stan? Stanley? Stanley, it's Stanley. Yep, Stanley. Follows a guy named Stanley, and I wonder if that's a Stan Lee reference. Uh, as he drives across America scamming people out of food in his uh, old, is uh, that an old Cadillac? It's got no roof
2: on it, uh, and it's It's red. Convertible.
0: It's a red convertible with an Airstream trailer behind it. Which, by the way, is how I grew up. Uh, Not in a convertible, but a red, red and white old school car and an Airstream trailer. Um, He goes back to Vegas to. uh, He ran out of money. Yeah, he ran out of money, and he goes back to hustle up some more money. Ends up seeing some old friends. People don't like him. He gets punched out by his son at the end, and. Man, it's just beautiful.
1: The art is absolutely the selling point for me about this. The story is is good. Like I I like it. It reminds me of some like Southern Bastards mixed with Loose ends, mixed with like Parker or like it's very cool, Parker cool bad boy stuff and they do a nice uh, <clears throat> the writer does a really nice uh write up at the end. He writes and draws it. It's always nice to get a writer um who draws his work as well. But this art is so cool. Uh, Django mentioned the iFanboy podcast earlier and they said that uh this art seems highly influenced by Darwin Cook and I would absolutely agree. It's
0: got it's got a similar storytelling style and I think that's kinda where mm. the uh the Parker feeling comes from because Darwin did the the Parker stuff, like four Parker adaptations also. And uh, it's a, it's a very similar style, although this guy isn't quite as shitty as Parker. Parker's not a good guy by any means. And this guy seems to be just kind of a dirtbag with a heart of gold.
2: I don't this already didn't seem that gold to me.
0: Uh doesn't seem malicious. And Parker seems malicious the whole time, I think.
1: Page eight and nine is a double page spread of Stanley Dance rolling into New York, and New York looks like it could just as well be.
0: Uh, That's Vegas. Yeah. I
1: was going to say just as well Las Vegas, but it says New York everywhere. That's because he
0: goes to the New York, New York,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, I've been to Las Vegas, and I know that there's a lot of big buildings. Um, and I thought that it was an artistic choice to have the Statue of Liberty there right and a sign that says New York, New York, New York there. <laughs> I thought it was like an artistic statement of like, this is – well, look at that, though. That's also that building. The, yeah, the, the Chrysler building. They Yeah. I mean, it's a You can also see the Eiffel Tower in the next
2: panel, though. Which is a part of Las
1: Vegas. (laughs) Like, listen. Yeah, okay. I thought it was Las Vegas, and then I changed it to New York, because it says New York everywhere, and then I'm clearly changing it back to Las Vegas, because that's clearly where they are. Um... Let's, it's an awesome page. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to edit that, that out, but I'm going to pretend that I did. Um, <laughs> anyway, the double page spread is just one of the more incredible pictures. Of, there's palm trees. Of course it's not in New York. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's an amazing picture of a city. It's hot um, vapes, too. Vapes? Hot babes. Oh, gosh. I thought you were talking about he vapes, too. I bet there's some hot vapes, too, though. Yeah. Jane, your brain's a big vapor. Mm, love that vape. <laughs>
0: So yeah, th- th- like just as an example of stuff that impressed me with the uh, the cartooning of this, and I guess I, I I say cartooning because he's telling a story with drawings, yeah, right? Yeah. And and you can almost see the motion. He gets a lot of he gets a lot of character through in just the art. Like in the in the beginning, the way he's uh, putting salt on his meal. Um, and then after he scams the waitress for his food, he leaves someone else's keys. He's got a glove box full of keys. And whenever he goes into a restaurant, he leaves his keys there and says, oh, I'm just going to go outside for a second. And he runs out of keys. That's why he goes back to Vegas. But he's uh, when he's driving away, the way he's taking his cigarette out of the pack just by lifting mm. it up with his thumb, like that's – that's a certain dude that does that. Oh, yeah. Super you cool know guy. how many cigarettes he's smoked just based on the way he takes it out Did of
1: you his... read uh, the little write-up at the end? I did not. It's a full-page text piece, but he sort of talks about that exactly thing. Does he? Yeah, like just sort of the character of this guy, and that we all know this guy. Um, yeah. He's the guy that flirts with your girlfriend when you leave the table, but has a drink waiting for you when you sit down. There's a part of you that envies him. He's carefree. He's charming. A bon vivant. But somehow deep inside, you know his luck will run out. It, it's yeah. it's 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 very it's very <clears throat> succinct and a wonderful write up. Um,
2: I don't think there's a part of me that envies him though.
1: <laughs> I, I've got it. I've got it. Like not necessarily envy, but that bit of like, man, that guy's cool. I wish I could take fifteen percent of his coolness.
2: Yeah. you're a good I, boy, Braden. You. Yeah,
0: I'm with you. I, I wish I could. Uh, wish I could take cigarettes out of packages like that whether i smoked them or not
2: oh no i would love to do that
1: so this book is the perfect example of what i was just talking about of like the ratio of cartooning to like words um this is a book that like wouldn't immediately stand out to me from looking at the cover it's not a premise that i really want like i if i'm gonna read about premises i want like high concept shit that's gonna make me think in a weird progressive way this isn't that but the art is awesome and the way i'm going to get myself to read this is is if i'm checking out the art and i don't have too much pressure on needing to absorb information through text this person balances it so well you know so much about this character from the little bit of text that's there and the bit of cartooning and cartooning is a good word i always steer clear of it because i'm worried that people think i'm talking down about a thing and i refer to it as panel to panel storytelling yeah And, like, the panel-to-panel storytelling, which is a highfalutin way of just saying cartooning, is incredible. Like, um, the way that an artist can convey a lot about life from one panel to another without needing to include every small bit of motion. And I think it's, like, the comic book equivalent of, like, months ago I was talking about David Lynch, who – will shoot a scene that's, like, five minutes long of a person doing nothing, like, walking from one end of a room to, like, answer a phone to then walk back and clean up. Like, it shows the importance of it, but not even just the importance, but, like, the reality of it, and you can relate to it in a weird way. Like, I don't know. You can... You can bypass a lot of that information to just get from point A to point B, um, but I really respect when a person can find the absolute perfect stones to step on across the water of ambiguity <laughs> and like make it to the other side. And this this guy is so good at that.
0: Well, and he's yeah, he's, he takes his time when he needs to, and he doesn't when he doesn't need to. Exactly. And he's he makes really good choices with camera angle and mm. and pacing on pretty much every page of this. Dude knows how yeah. to tell a story.
2: I didn't love this book. Just because I didn't love the main character, yeah. But the storytelling was very well done. Like it, it never felt too slow or too fast. So like I got through it pretty
1: efficiently. Jingle, what's another book that has a character like this that I do like? That maybe Brayden does like, or I'm just, I'm just curious. Like Preacher. Um, mm, Preacher is more of a good guy. He's more of a. good Have you read like Preacher? I'm curious. I'm curious. I mean, I like, would
0: I would try one of the Parker books. Honestly, mm-hmm. he's he's not a better person, but it's a very relatable crime noir. Like he he gets wrapped up in things and he makes bad decisions in the way that he deals with them. But he's
2: I started reading uh, the fix, and then mm-hmm. they stopped putting it out. But yeah, it's kind of like that character. He's more of a unabashed asshole. But
0: yeah, yeah, that one he's like reveling in it. This yeah. one the guy's just confident with it. Because mm-hmm. um, I also have a tar- hard time. Try try some of the Brewbaker criminal books. Okay, yeah, Brubaker's good. Those. Really, almost any Brubaker crime book has this guy in it. Like this and, like, character is yeah, everywhere. And, like,
2: I've read books about bad boys that yeah. I've liked bad boy books, but I think I'm just. It seems like a very very imagey Sky bounty trope that yeah. I'm a little bored with.
0: Sure. No, but no. I
1: mean, and I agree, but I almost like I would I personally extrapolated a little bit larger than like Image Skybound and I feel like there's a whole genre about this Like, mm-hmm. and I would put like Preacher in that category as well even though he's got more of a heart of gold but like um, yeah sh- like shitty people who mean well but keep doing shitty things Yeah, um, like Scalped is a little bit like this but a little less heart of goldy as well but it's a thing that I don't gravitate towards but when I find an art of that type. I do really like it. Like Preacher, I really like, and it's not exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. um, but I love it. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is a little bit more the other way. It's like mm-hmm. reveling in it and not a heart of gold, but it's a similar type of like bad person being. Ringside yeah. had characters a lot like this. It's not, I don't think it's at this
0: level. I don't read Ringside. What's that about? I'm surprised you do not read Ringside. It's about uh, like a shitty gangster um What's he do? Wrestling dude. Oh, wrestling! Who shows up in Vegas and tries to make money beating oh. people up? Like it's mm-hmm. it's right up your alley,
1: buddy. I like wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I would give slots eight point five out of ten. I I think the art was really wonderful. Like uh, I think that this book almost could have existed without <laughs> text in it. And almost, yeah. And like when a book can do that, I think it's absolutely amazing. And then when you just add text to it, but not in a way where there's a huge info dump at any given point, uh, like regardless of the book itself, I really appreciate if I can visually appreciate a story. And and yeah, this one this one does that.
0: I uh, i am to give gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a seven point
1: seven five. Oh my god! Um, the three quarter mark. I want
0: to give it an eight, but I didn't like it as much as you. And I didn't like it as much as the iFanboy guys. And I didn't like it as much as, like, the articles that I've read about it this week. And maybe it's because I read it, like, just tired to death this week.
1: Um, Page eight and nine to me is just, like, you could – I could put a (coughs) period there. I
0: I liked it. it, This almost feels like the same conversation we had with uh, Grass King's. Where this was the one that jumped out for you, and Briggsland was the one that jumped out for me. Like, similar stories to a lot of things that I've read. A lot of—this is a comic I've read a hundred times, and it's really say. well executed. But I almost feel like if if I were to give it more than a 7.5 or an 8, uh, I'm buying into the hype around the book rather than my actual genuine read on the comic. It's, it's undeniably uh, really well done. Um, but I don't think, uh, I, I don't think I can bump it up that extra level.
1: Um, I appreciate that. I hear that. What do you got? I I just realized that I have 15 minutes to get home for wrestling now that we mention it.
2: Yeah, um, I give this book a five. I, it's not, it's not really a book for me. If it shifts away from this main character, I might like it more. And the, the main redeeming factor for it for me was the last page where he gets punched out mm-hmm. by his kid who... I'm hoping is trans. Oh my god,
1: that would be awesome!
2: And then, like, I would love to read a book about that kid and
0: see how he. Because he's... yeah,
1: his name is Lucy. Mm-hmm.
0: I or... thought th- I thought of that as a boy named Sue kind of thing. Like that, this guy is the dad and the boy named Sue.
1: Um, so I don't know what that is. I don't either. So what? So, <laughs> so I, you know, we all we all like a boy named Sue. We all have 16 minutes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, please call in and tell these guys with the boy named Sue. Is referencing. And when you call in, you will leave a voicemail by a wonderful recorded message that Django has prompted for everybody. And uh, it will be a little something like this.
0: Uh, hey, guys. Uh, I'm just calling in regards to uh, Ron's message that he left last week and his inflammatory remarks regarding Marble. Hey, Ron. That you're looking forward to the new Batman title that's coming out where he teams up with Dora and look for Little Pony who's disappeared mysteriously. Spoiler, SpongeBob did it. What does that make, like 20 Batman titles now? The dude's a cliche now. Batman, Batman, Batman. And Superman, don't get me started. Well, what's that? Well, I got to go. Big Bang's on. Apparently, Jim Lee's not going to make an appearance in this one. Shocker. Got to go.
1: Holy shit! <laughs> that is oh my God. definitely an argument for listening to the voicemails before the podcast. Gauntlet oh. Throne, I Gauntlet guess. Gauntlet Throne. <laughs> well, listen, I have a, I have a spoiler. I think that that guy might be on the podcast this week mm-hmm. to answer that uh, a little bit more clearly. Yeah, maybe balance out our super heavy Batman, no Marvel week this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that was that was good. Um, that wasn't much of a question, so I don't have a lot. Uh I do like it a lot though. Yeah, let's get some more performance art on this voicemail. <laughs> God, we need more of it. <laughs> Justin, that's a call for you to get some performance art on here. Um yeah, a lot of Batman books. I love my DC, I love my Marvel. Now that I think about Jay's reading, um it uh it uh isn't super super heavy DC. Um I want to take just a second at the end of this podcast. Uh, which was a lot of fun, you guys. Thanks a lot. Um, Three-man group. Yeah, blue man man group. group. Um, This week, a real, real unfortunate thing happened, however. On Wednesday, um, we had a detective come in and tell us that we lost a really, really good friend of this store, um, a co-worker and and friend and customer here that we all adored um, named Carrie Bourne. And it was a it was a pretty huge loss that all of us have felt. Um, fuck, I should have prepared this more. Let's re-edit this.
0: I yeah, <laughs> I, I, do? I I don't know. I got I got nothing. I don't think you should re-edit it. That, okay. That's I think uh, we all just kind of uh, there's there's not a lot to say other than that uh, like we all really liked Carrie and and I mean I'm sad as shit that he's not around. Uh, there's definitely less swear words and more York peppermint patties in the world, <laughs> but uh yeah i I really enjoyed hanging out with that guy and i watching his friends on Facebook posts like memories of him, every single one of them says, "I really didn't like that guy when I met him, and then like thirty seconds later, I realized I really liked that guy um and I think that was to some extent like all of our interactions with him too like he came in and like i don't know about this guy and then pretty quickly he won everybody over with just like i don't know he was a really genuine excited about whatever he was doing he was excited about um really upfront about everything from you know Knowing that he might be overstaying his welcome, and saying, "Hey, if if I'm if I'm hanging out too long, you guys just let me know." And we let him know a couple of times, and he just he left and didn't didn't hold it against us. Didn't think that was weird. Um, like he he was very out there with everything that everything that he was feeling and thinking and saying.
1: Very very genuine and super cool guy. And what I have thought about every single day uh, since I heard about this was that Carey was a guy who was super, super passionate about uh, everything that he loved. And unlike most people I know, and myself included at times, I think we can all use art and our interests to try and separate ourselves from other people and define who we are and try and make ourselves unique. Like, I like this thing, and that makes me special. Carey was a person who loved everything that he loved, and everything that he loved he used to connect to other people. Um Spider-Man was his thing, Bendis was his guy, and uh, and he wanted to talk to you about that. And if you didn't like it, that was awesome with him. He was super, super excited to be talking to you about it. And it's reminded me uh, to reframe why I love the things that I do. So, Carrie Bourne, uh, you are one of the best parts about this job, and I'm going to miss you a ton, and I'm super, super grateful for the time that I got to spend with you, and this store is better for having you a part of it, and you are going to be super, super missed and uh, absolutely never forgotten, and every time I see Spider-Man in a mask running around, I'm going to pretend that your face is underneath of it. <laughs> um
0: Gotta pour out a forty of Mountain Dew for him. Yeah,
1: that guy, that guy was the best straight edge guy there's ever been. <laughs> pour out a forty of Mountain Dew on York Patties for him. Um, <laughs> Carrie, we love you, man. Um, we got another week of comics place here, so thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, and I hope to see all of your wonderful shining faces in this store. And I'm really really grateful for every single one of the listeners here and the people that come in here. I'm Jeff. I'm Django. I'm Braden. We love you all. Bye. Did you know that slots logo is upside down the same thing? Holy moly. Oh, man.